You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Danny, if you're new to Bayshore. Good to see everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Good to see you. And uh, hey, listen, if, uh, if you're here today, this is our first Sunday we're meeting this year. If you're here today, you have perfect attendance already this year. Perfect attendance. And uh, just, you know, that's amazing. So uh, we're so glad that you're here and we're just excited. Hope you had a great uh, holiday and we're all excited about being back together and it's just great to see everybody today. I wanted to mention to you every Monday morning we have prayer. We have a prayer meeting here at 8 o'clock and if you have a prayer need, uh, there'll be people who will pray for you tomorrow morning. Uh, there's a little card in your, uh, in your chair. You can fill it out and say pray for me in this area and people will personally pray for you tomorrow morning. And also at Fenwick Island, the, those, uh, those uh, cards are in your uh, chairs as well, and they'll be praying for you this week as well. So anyhow, we're so glad that you're here. Let's say a big hello to our uh, Fenwick Island campus right now as they join us right now. <laughs> welcome, Fenwick Island. Love you guys. So glad you're here. And welcome to our online family. And if you're new here to Bayshore, we're so glad that you're here this morning. We're starting a new series called Hope for Strugglers, and uh, the next couple weeks we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter. One of the things that we like to do at Bayshore is sometimes just kind of dig into a book of the Bible and look at it and let it challenge us, and so I've been wanting to talk about 1 Peter for a long time, and so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter and just pulling out some great things out of this book in the, uh, in the New Testament. Uh, so let me begin by reading um, a little bit of 1 Peter to you, the first couple verses, verses 1 and 2 of the first chapter and then we'll dive into what this book is about so we can get some understanding. So when you have your devotions and read your uh, Bible for yourself, which is a big goal for us here at Bayshore, that as you read the Bible for yourself, you have some background on how to understand that. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 uh, through 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace to you, uh, yours in abundance. So that's how the book begins. And what's really important for us to understand is you read the whole book. It's only got five chapters in it. Uh, this book is about people that are uh, outnumbered. They are living in uh, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they're new Christians, they're following Jesus, and everybody around them is pagan. Everybody around them doesn't believe what they believe. Everybody around them is, you know, uh, not following Jesus, living immorally and all of that. And so these Christians are feeling isolated and outnumbered. They feel like they are all by themselves. Sometimes, you know, when we follow Jesus, you know, at work or in the university, wherever we go, sometimes we may feel like everybody around us is, a, is not a Christian. And we feel like, you know, we got a green head. Something's really odd about us. So the, uh, the, the Apostle Peter writes to encourage them to let them know that the Lord is with them, the Lord cares about them, the Lord has not forgotten them, 
They're not only being ostracized, they're not only the odd people in the community, but they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted. Some of them are being physically harmed for their faith. Some of them are losing their jobs. Some of them are being insulted. They're being called names. And so Peter writes to them to encourage them, to help them. And I don't know about you, maybe, you know, during the holiday, you were with your family and, you know, you're like the only Christian and, you know, your values are not their values. Or some of you are going to be going back to school pretty soon. Maybe you go to the University of Delaware or, Southern, or, 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 or Salisbury University and you go back to school and everybody around you seems to be, you know, out of sync with your faith and what you believe. And that's the real world that we live in. And Peter writes to help people in that situation. A couple years ago, um, my two sons uh, took me to a Ravens game. It was uh, a Thursday night football game in Baltimore. And uh, it was in December, right before Christmas. It was real cold. I remember how cold it was. And going to the uh, football game, they were playing the New York Jets. And it was my first time to ever go to an NFL game. And so I was really pumped up about it. You know, I'm a Packers fan, but I was willing to watch the Ravens if I had to. So I was there watching the Ravens. And um, on the, I remembered we, we parked our car. It took us a long time to find a place to park. And when we finally got a, you know, our parking spot, we're walking by all these tailgate parties. And you can smell the barbecue. And, uh, I mean, the excitement was in there. There's Raven fans everywhere. I mean, there are Ravens fans on the sidewalk, Ravens fans in the parking lots. They're Ravens fans. They're all wearing their Ravens shirts, their Raven beanies, and they're drinking. They're having a good time. And then we came across three New York Jets fans, three New York Jets fans that were dressed in New York Jets uh, you know, shirts and paraphernalia and the beanies and everything, and they were New York Jets fans. And the Ravens fans were not nice to these New York Jets fans. I mean, they were like yelling at them, cussing at them. I don't know if they were throwing things at them, but they were really, really uh, mean to these uh, New York Jets fans. And I thought, well, you know, how stupid, how stupid to wear that, that jerseys to a, a Ravens game. But uh, anyhow, they're proud of their team. But I think sometimes we feel that way. We feel that way in our Christian life. We feel like, you know, we're the only one serving the Lord. Remember Elijah in the Old Testament? You know, he's serving the Lord, and you got the prophets of Baal, and you got Ahab and Jezebel, and they're, you know, they're, they're, the, the, the culture has become very anti-God, anti-Yahweh, and they're worshiping these other gods. And, and, and Elijah said to the Lord, I am the only one. I am the only one. And, of course, there, he wasn't the only one, but he felt like he was the only one. So this book is written to encourage people that feel isolated, people that are suffering and people that are going through persecution and are being ostracized for their faith. And it's very, very difficult for them. So Peter writes to them to encourage them. And uh, this is a very, very incredible book to help people that feel like, you know, we are outnumbered, outnumbered in culture. And uh, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus and you adapt the, the Word of God, you adapt Scripture and you follow Jesus and you follow God's Word and you believe in the Bible, which we do here, uh, when you do that, you're going to find yourself sometimes at odds with people around you. And how do you navigate that? How do you deal with that? How do you live in a world that's going in the opposite direction from you? 
And this is what this book is about. And we're going to find some things I think that are going to be helpful to us as we go through this. But I wanted to, uh, you know, look at how, how Peter addresses them. First of all, he says to them, he says something to them in the beginning. And we're going to talk a little bit about Peter himself in a minute. But he, notice how he starts the book. He said, to God's elect. Or that's the word, the word elect there means uh, chosen, chosen, God's chosen people uh, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the uh, provinces of Pontia and Galatia. He gives all that. So when we think about God's perspective of us, God's perspective of us is that we are, we are chosen by him. And then you have the idea of how the world views us, that we're strangers, we're oddballs. Uh, we, are, we are different. We are in a different way of thinking, different way of living. And so, uh, so God says that you're chosen. Can you think, why would Peter write to them right in the beginning of the book, these people that are living uh, you know, in this you know, uh, foreign culture where everybody seems to be thinking differently, why would he address them right in the beginning that you are God's elect, God's chosen? It's because he wants them to know it doesn't matter who rejects you, it doesn't matter who uh, ostracizes you. It doesn't matter who is against you. If you're chosen by God, that's all that matters. And I want you to hear this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you put your faith in Jesus, you are chosen by God. He loves you. You're very, very special to him. I heard about this uh, pastor that uh, he had two children, had a boy, a little boy and a little girl. And how he, uh, when he would pray for them at night, they had little, their bedtime prayers at night. He would you know, have a little reading with them and he would pray with them. But he said this to his little boy every night and his, to, his, to his little girl. He said to his little boy, after they got done saying prayers, he said to his little boy, Todd, I want you to know if they lined up all the little boys in all the world, and I could only pick one little boy to be my son, I would pick you. And then he said to uh, his little girl when he had prayers with her, he, uh, he said, uh, Jeannie, if, I could, if they lined up all the little girls in the world, and I could only pick one little girl to be my daughter, I would pick you. So when Peter writes this book to people that feel like nobody loves them, nobody cares about them, nobody's interested in them, he begins the book by saying, you are chosen by God. You are chosen by God. I want you to know this morning that God has chosen you, that you are chosen by God. It says in the book of Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? God is for you. God is with you. Maybe you went, at the, went to that uh, holiday dinner and you feel like, oh my goodness, you know, these, I'm just so out of sync with people around me. Maybe at work where you're working, you work in a, an environment where it's just so anti-Christ, so anti-Jesus. I remember when I was, uh, Karen and I were first married, I worked for Acme Markets, and I was working at a grocery store in Cambridge, and uh, I was loading trucks and unloading trucks, and I remember being uh, on this, uh, this 18-wheeler truck, unloading the truck of grocery supplies, and, and four or five guys working with me, and, and their language was so just terrible, and their, and their attitude and their attitude toward God was so just cold, so rank. And I found myself thinking, oh my gosh, I'm surrounded in a, in a world of unbelief. But listen, when you feel that way, 
The Lord wants you to know that he has chosen you. He's chosen you. You are God's elect. You are special, and you belong to the Lord. So let's talk a little bit about this, uh, who wrote the book. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, the Peter we're talking about, the apostle Peter we're talking about here, is that apostle that Jesus chose to, uh, you know, he's the one that said in Matthew 16, you know, when Jesus said, uh, who do men say that I am? He said, you know, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, come back and all that. He said, but you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, you're Peter, and upon this rock, upon this confession, I will build my church. And so when the apostles are listed, there's like five different lists in the uh, New Testament of the apostles. And every time the apostles are listed, Peter's listed first. He's the number one. He's a prominent apostle. And so he's this uh, incredible apostle. And uh, so what do we know about Peter? What will to help us to get a little insight on this? Here's the thing we know about Peter. Peter was a regular guy. He was a regular guy. He was a fisherman. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. For they were fishermen. Peter had not gone to seminary. Peter was not highly educated. Peter was not, you know, this, uh, you know, this scholar. Peter was a fisherman. And if you were to shake his hand, his hand would feel rough to you, uh, and he would smell like fish. I mean, he's just a regular guy. And here's, here, I want you to hear this. Uh, this year, God is going to use regular people to do extraordinary things. This year, God's going to do ordinary people to do extraordinary things. How many here this morning, you are an ordinary person? Just raise your hand. You're an ordinary person. You haven't been to seminary. You haven't, you know, you're not like, you can't read Greek and Hebrew. Uh, you're just a regular person. You're a teacher. You're a nurse. You work in construction. This year, one of, the, one of the things that God wants to say to our church this year, one of the things he wants to say to our church in Fenwick Island that's listening right now, God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God delights in using just regular people. The church has to become a, uh, uh, an organization, an organism that thinks about that every member of the body is to be used by the Lord. Doesn't matter if you work at Walmart, doesn't matter if you, you know, where you work or what you do, what your occupation is, if you're in the office, if you're in the warehouse, if you're in, you know, in court, wherever you are, you are called by God this year to be used by the Lord. God wants to use fishermen this year. God wants to use regular people. This year, God wants to speak through you. God wants you to pray for people this year. God doesn't want you to simply bring people to the pastors of the church to pray for. God wants you in your work environment to pray for people. God wants you, as you're studying his word, as he speaks to you, God wants you to hear him so you can give words to other people. This is a year that God's going to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And I want you to say this with me right now. I am an ordinary person. And God wants to do extraordinary things through me this year. And how we, the reason that God chose Peter to write this marvelous book is God chose Peter 
to show us that God wants to use regular people. He wants to use regular people. And sometimes we think, oh my goodness, God could never use me. God can't use me. I'm, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I don't live right all the time. How many know Peter didn't live right all the time? He's the only apostle we got on record that cussed on a regular basis. You know, Peter had issues and God used him. Listen, God doesn't wait until we're perfect to use us. God uses us while he's making us perfect. God doesn't wait till we're perfect to use us. He uses us while he's making us perfect. Let me ask you this question. This is a voting question right now. How many here are not perfect? Raise your hand right now. Just raise it and wave your hand a little bit. Point at your spouse while you're waving your hand. You know, God doesn't use perfect people. He uses people while he's making them perfect. And God wants to use you this year. Peter was just a regular guy. And he could have talked himself out of it, but God had a plan for him. Uh, you think about, you know, uh, there's a bas- I've got a basketball up here. And I've got a basketball goal in my, in my uh, driveway. And uh, this is an NBA basketball. Now, I think it's not really an NBA basketball because I bought it at Walmart. You know what I mean? This is like $20, you know. Uh, and this basketball is not that significant. It's not, it's not, you know, really, you know, cost a lot. Everybody here pretty much you can afford a basketball. Basketballs are not expensive. So what is this basketball worth? This basketball is probably worth about $20. I bought the best one that Walmart had. I went for the best one, $20. But if you take this same basketball and you put it in the hands of Michael Jordan, now Michael Jordan transforms the value of this basketball into something worth millions. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in uh, in Michael Jordan's contract in 1997 and 1998, that was like you know, a long time ago, 20-some years ago, his contract in 1997 to 1998 was $32 million, $32 million. How many would say that's slightly more than you're going to be making the next couple of years? But if you take the basketball and you put the basketball in Michael Jordan's hands, all of a sudden, this basketball becomes phenomenal. And when you place your life in God's hands, something that seems insignificant, something that seems not really incredibly valuable, when you're in God's hands, God can do mighty things through you. And this year, God wants to do mighty things through you. He wants to do mighty things for you. So I want to say to you on the first Sunday of January that we have, we met together, I want to say to you, get ready, get ready because this is a year that God's going to use the layman. This is a year that God's going to use the non-clergical people. God's going to use people in the pews. We don't have pews, but people in the chairs. This year, God is going to use you to speak to people, to encourage people, to have a word for people, to pray for people, because God has his hand on you, because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we often overlook that. 
You know, when you think about, you know, when Samuel went to anoint a new king for Israel, Saul had kind of messed up. And in 1 Samuel, we find the story where, you know, Saul uh, had messed up and and Samuel, the prophet, was called to go anoint uh, another king. So he goes to the house of Jesse. And when he gets to Jesse's house, Jesse's got all his sons all dressed up because one of them is going to become king. And he's got Eliab, the oldest, and he's tall. He's educated. He's got a good, uh, good GPA. He's really, really a handsome guy. And when Samuel the prophet walks in, this has got to be the guy. This has got to be the guy. And the Lord said, no, he's not. that's not the guy. Don't look on the outward appearance. Then he brought another guy, Shammah, and a couple other sons. And he went through all seven sons, and none of them were the king. And so Samuel's scratching his head. And he said to Jesse, don't you have another boy? Don't you have another son? He said, well, we got one, one little boy. We didn't bring him. The youngest boy is out there tending sheep. And he was completely overlooked. He wasn't even invited to be a part of the process for Samuel to look over the, the, the sons of Samuel, of Jesse. And the one that was overlooked, the, most, the youngest, the most insignificant son of Jesse became the next king of Israel. And so God is going to take people that are overlooked this year, people that are not noticed, people that aren't seen, and he's going to use you this year in a mighty way. And if you want God to use you this year, would you say a rousing amen right now? So God wants to use us. And so when you look at, uh, when you look at uh, Peter, one of the things we find about him, he was just a regular guy. Here's what it says about them in Acts 14, 13. Acts 14, 13 says this, the Sanhedrin said this about Peter and the apostles, says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So they were unschooled, that meant they were untrained in the the rabbinical schools of the day that they were ordinary men. They had no post. They had no official office. That's what it meant. They had no official office, yet God used them in a mighty way, and they had been with Jesus. So the Lord just wants to encourage you today and wants to speak to our church, wants to speak to everybody at Fenwick Island, wants to speak to everybody at this campus today, that God has a mission for you this year. He wants to use you. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you maybe you just, you're just a fisherman. You're just a regular person, but God wants to use you. And so the person that wrote this letter was a regular person. That's a good thing. Now, the second thing I want to say about this is that, um, that someone had told Peter about Jesus, of course, uh, and we, we have a whole record of how Peter met Jesus, but it was his brother Andrew that introduced him to Jesus. You find that story in John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. Now, you've never heard a sermon on Andrew. Andrew was one of the 12 apostles. You've probably never heard a sermon on him. All, he only did two things. All that Andrew did was that, uh, was that he, you know, when there was a need for the uh, 5,000 to be fed, he found the little boy that had the bread and fishes. That's the one thing he did. The other thing he did is that when he met Jesus, he was so impressed with Jesus, he says the first thing he did, it says this in John chapter 1, the first thing he did was to go tell his brother Peter, Simon Peter, about Jesus. And he brought, it says he literally brought Peter to Jesus. So the one thing he did was he brought 
Peter to Jesus. Now let me ask you this, this question. How about this year, how about 12 months from now, that when we come around to 2024, that there is somebody sitting in this church, somebody sitting on your row, somebody sitting here that you brought to Jesus this year. One person. If each of us brought one person to Jesus this year, got them discipled, got them coming to church. I'm not talking about 10 people. I'm not talking about 15 people. I'm not talking about 20 people. I'm talking about one person. If we brought one person to Jesus this year and next year they're sitting beside us, our church would have doubled in one year, this campus. And I believe God wants us to reach people this year. And it's just regular people reaching people that God wants to use. That's, a, that's an important thing. Now, uh, so we don't know anything about Andrew. How many, let me ask you this question. Some of you may know this, but most of you will not. How many know who Mordecai Ham is? Does anybody know who Mordecai Ham is? Maybe a few people. I don't see anybody raising their hand. Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was the man who led Billy Graham to the Lord. How many have heard of Billy Graham? Raise your hand. So we have a Mordecai Ham that introduced Billy Graham to Jesus. So that's an important thing. So this year, you know, God wants to use regular people. God wants to use you to reach somebody else. And here's the third thing about Peter that we, we know about Peter. Peter has longevity. Peter's walk with Jesus has longevity. Now that's important. Peter's walk with Jesus has longevity. That's an important thing. Now, uh, here's something you may not know about the letter. If you're taking notes, have you got your little sermon uh, discussion points? This letter is written 30 years after Jesus was crucified. So remember what Peter did on the night that Jesus was crucified? He denied the Lord and all that. So we're talking 30 years later, 30 years later, uh, Peter is still serving Jesus. He's serving Jesus 30 years after Jesus was crucified. Now, he wasn't serving Jesus for three months and then he faded away. He wasn't serving Jesus for, you know, six months and he faded away. We're talking about Peter is serving Jesus for 30 years. This is 30 years later. He's more seasoned. He's not as impetuous as he used to be. He's not the same Peter he used to be 30 years ago. The Lord has changed him. And this year, God's going to change you. God's going to change me. God's going to progressively change us. But it's 30 years later, and he's still serving Jesus. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> this is I, I am the guy. I am the person. When somebody raises their hand to receive the Lord, we had I don't know, 20 or 30 people that received the Lord. Christmas Eve services, there were wonderful people coming to Jesus, and people are going to be baptized. Some great things happen Christmas Eve. That blesses me so much to see that. But what blesses me more than anything is when you see people that accept Jesus, they get baptized, they get in a small group, they're serving Jesus, they're staying, walking with Jesus, they're serving Jesus. And it's not just one year, but it's two years, it's three years, it's four years, it's five years. They keep serving Jesus. Now, I, I want to ask you a question right now. How many in this audience, you've, and if you're a new believer, I want you to look at this. How many in this audience, you've been serving Jesus for at least a decade, for 10 years? Raise your hand. Lift your hand up real high. Just lift your hand up real high. Let me, and everybody, if you've been serving Jesus for 10 years, raise your hand. Okay, let's take it up a level. 
How many in this audience have been serving the Lord for 20 years? You've been serving the Lord for 20 years. Look at this. If you're a new believer, these people, 20 years, 20 years ago or more, they accepted Jesus, and they're still, still the Lord. Let's just take it up another notch. How many have been serving the Lord 30 years? Just raise it up. Look at that. That's 30 years, and you're like Peter. Peter, and I just recently, one of my friends uh, Sammy Fisher, I don't have a picture of him today, but Sammy Fisher, I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord uh, when we were freshmen in high school. And he gave me a, a card and a big check, which I was surprised to me. He wanted to give me a blessing to me in December. He said, 50 years ago, you led me to the Lord. And he said, it's changed my life. And he's planted churches. It leads a missionary organization now. And little did I know that when two little freshman boys, you know, with, with uh, beanies on uh, our head, walking down the aisle of the Methodist church after we played Sandlot football and we knelt down and I led Sammy the Lord, that God would use him 50 years later. So Peter's been serving the Lord for 30 years. It's been 30 years. So longevity matters. Longevity matters. Now, if you go to Cupola Park in Millsboro, there is, in that, uh, in that park, there is a white cypress tree. This white cypress tree, I, I think we got a picture of it, this white cypress tree. This white cypress tree in, uh, in uh, Cupolo Park in Millsboro, uh, that's a picture of me beside it. See how big that tree is? That tree has got, uh, that tree is over, it's almost 200 years old. 200 years old, right in Millsboro. And it's got roots down. And I mean, I tell you, I stood beside that tree. It's amazing. And I was with my uh, grandkids the other day. We were at uh, Ingram Pond. We were looking for mushrooms. And I don't know, Will, my granddaughter, was, we're trying to find these mushrooms. And I got all four grandkids. We're in the woods around Ingram's Pond. And we saw this gigantic tree. I said to the kids, I said, look at this tree. I said, why is this tree, why is this tree so big? I don't even what the girth was. It was just gigantic tree. And I said, uh, you know, how did this tree get so big? And they're all, oh, I don't know. And I said, listen, there's two things that makes this tree big. Number one, genetics. It's got genetics. It's got the right genetics to be a big tree. And number two, it's planted by the pond. And those roots go in and they draw from the water of the pond and it becomes great. Now this year, as you, as you become an oak tree in our church, because great churches don't just need new believers. They need new believers they need new believers that we're discipling, but we need also oak trees. We need people that have been walking in the faith for a long time, and they have strength, and they have seasonedness in the faith. And, and, and young believers can find refuge in their small groups as they, they're around these people. So, uh, so it, it's very important. So this year, if we want to become strong in the Lord, we need to, to, to be in the Word. The water, the water that the roots go to is symbolic of the Word of God, that we're drawing to, from the Word of God. Here's what Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says. Blessed is the one who does, does not walk in the, step, uh, in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners, uh, take seat in the company of mockers. But verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields it fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. Where does the strength uh, of a, a spiritual oak tree come from? It comes from the roots that go into the water. 
So this year, make sure that you're in the Word, you're reading the Word regularly. If you don't have a Bible reading program, you want to go to YouTube, uh, go, go to uh, the U version of the Bible. It's the simplest one. U version of the Bible on your phone, U version on your pad, uh, U version on your computer. It's got all kinds of Bible reading programs. So start reading the Bible every day, spend time in the Word, and let it make you into a, a great, uh, strong oak tree in, in the faith. We need that very, very much in our church, very, very important. So uh, that's, that's so important for us to do that. Um, I was, uh, other day, I, a dear friend, I lost a dear friend, someone that I love very much, a guy named George Friedel. George Friedel, uh, he, was at my, he was in my dad's church. Whenever I preach in my dad's church, uh, George Friedel was always sitting on the second row. And he's this guy that had this, he always brought his Bible, always sat on the second row. He had one of those Bibles that were so big. You ever seen people that got those big Bibles? I mean, it's so big. I mean, he had, it was on wheels. He would roll it in, you know, to sit down in the church. And he always, he always had a smile. He always was full of joy. Every time I would preach, he would talk to me afterwards. And his face was glowing with the glory of the Lord. And it's not because he had an easy life. He lost his wife to Alzheimer's. And he lost his son that died unexpectedly. He went through all of these adversities. But George Friedel was, a, was like an oak tree. And so our church needs oak tree. And uh, just say, th- say this with me. This year, I want to be a mighty oak tree in the house of the Lord. So how many years after Peter uh, was walking with Jesus did this letter take place? 30 years later. 30 years he's still serving Jesus. He's still serving Jesus. Well, we're almost out of time here. So let me give you um, one more, a couple more things real quickly. These are real quick points. Um, the, second, the, 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 the next thing real quickly is God used Peter even though he had failed in the past. And Peter had really messed up. He had really, you know, he denied the Lord, cursed that he knew the Lord. And, uh, of course, there's this restoration scene in John chapter 21 where uh, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And, and Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He, he, he said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He said, Lord, you know I love me. He said, take care of, take care of my sheep. So God restored Peter. Listen to this. God is not a cancel culture God. God does not cancel us when we make a mistake. Aren't you grateful that God restores us and forgives us when we make a mistake? Can you say a big amen? God likes to take people that are broken, that have been messed up, that have really failed, and take them and restore them and to work in their life and to bring them into place. God is not a cancel culture God. God is a restoring God. He restores us, and our failures do not eliminate our usefulness in the future. Our failures do not eliminate our usefulness in the future. Last point is... This is the last point. Uh, the last point is that uh, just think about, we've been talking about Peter and who he was and how God used him, but think about the people that are these, uh, these believers, these new believers that are being persecuted. They're living in Asia Minor. They're second-generation Christians. They've never seen Jesus themselves personally. And they get this letter from Peter, the one that walked with Jesus on the, on the water, the, the one that was with Jesus when he just took James and John and Peter into the room when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. This is the man that walked intimately with Jesus, 
And can you imagine what it's like for those believers that are struggling, that are isolated? They get a letter. They get a letter from the Apostle Peter. How much it must encourage them when they open that letter that Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, was thinking of them and writing to them and ministering to them. So it's an incredible, incredible encouragement to them to hear from Peter that Peter was thinking of them. Your affirmation means a great deal to certain people. Your affirmation. This year, there are certain people that your voice matters more than anybody else's voice. That when you speak encouragement to certain people, your, your voice carries greater weight than other people. So Peter took the time to reach out to express his love and care for these people. And I'm sure it was like a wind in their sail and they began to really, really be encouraged because God wants to use our voice to encourage people this year. He wants to use our voice to encourage people this year. You know, there's so much, so much criticism, so much, uh, so much angst in our culture, so much uh, you know, irritableness in our culture, and we're just so tough on each other. We're always like arguing with each other about stuff, and there's just so much conflict in our culture. This year, let's, let's let God use us to be a kind voice, to be a voice of love, to say, I know you're going through a tough time, but I know the Lord is with you. And, and maybe you got some adult children that you haven't recently told them how much you love them and how much you care about them. Zig Ziglar, when he lost a daughter, uh, he had a daughter that died uh, uh, prematurely. And he, he said to me, or he didn't say to me, but he said in his books, he said, he said, you know, parents should never go to the funerals of their children. And he made up his mind from that time on that his other kids, that a day would not go by that he did not tell them how much he loved them and how much he cared about them and he's playing golf with his son one day and they're unloading the uh, golf bags out of their the trunk of the car and they got the golf bags out of the trunk of the car and he walked over there to his adult son his 35 year old adult son and put his arm around him and said son I want you to know how much I love you and how proud I am of you see when you get you get affirmation from people that you high hold in high esteem it matters a lot so when Peter gave that word of encouragement. It was really, really a blessing. I remember when I was working uh, in high school, I worked for this grocery store called Super Thrift. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, the, uh, the manager, I was, I was trying to be, a, you know, I was Christian and trying to be a good worker and all that. And I really loved my job and I was working. And I remember one day I'm working, I'm stocking shelves, I'm going along. And, and Bob Gatiss, uh, the manager, he came up to me and he's always smoked a cigar. And he, uh, he came up to me and he said, he said, Dan, you're doing a great job. And he took another drag on a cigar. He said, big money's on the way, Dan. Big money's on the way. Suck that cigar in. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it blessed my heart. It really, I mean, it made me work harder and harder than I ever had before. And now big money was not on the way. It never came. But, <laughs> but the affirmation was great. One Sunday, I'm getting ready to preach uh, on Easter, Easter Sunday. Easter's can be a little tough. You've got a mixed crowd, and some people are there by duress. They don't want to be there. Their mother made them come or whatever, so the audience is a little tough. And I, rem- I always got a little tight on Easter. And I'm sitting on the front row here one, one Easter, getting ready to 
getting ready to preach and thinking, man, I got it's going to be tough, and got all these people that don't want to be there. Some of them, you know, just tough. And uh, so I had my Bible, and I and I felt in my Bible there was a card in there, and I opened the cover, and there was a like a little card. I opened it, it was a Hallmark card, and it was from Karen, and I and it was a Happy Easter or something on the front, and I opened it, and it said inside, it said a little note from her. There's nobody I'd rather hear preach on Easter but you. And I got up there and tore it up. (laughs) It was amazing. Hallmark music playing in the background. It was amazing. But this letter is a letter from somebody important to people that are struggling. And it really encouraged them. Hey, listen, as we get ready to pray, I want you to know God's going to use you this year. God's going to use you. This is going to be your best year of ministry ever. The best, not, not, I'm not talking about my best year. I'm talking about your best year ever. Out in our community, God's going to use you this year. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and let the Lord speak to you? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian Uh, This is a great time, great Sunday of the year to receive Jesus, to start your new year receiving Christ. And if you're not a Christian, just say, Lord, come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my mistakes and my failures and my rebellion against you. And I, I believe that you're the Son of God. You've been raised from the dead. Now, Lord, I pray over this congregation. I thank you, God, that this year is a year of ministry of ordinary people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So, God, we thank you for using us and blessing us. Lord, we ask you to just let this year be a year of great anointing. The anointing of 2022 was a wonderful year, but this year the anointing upon Bayshore Community Church, upon this campus, Fenwick Island Campus, Rehoboth Campus, uh, this year is a year of greater anointing. Greater things will happen this year because of the grace of God that's upon us. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing of this year. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.